now, back to Stand Up with Pete Dominic on Indy. Sirius XM 104. Rick Unger filling in for Pete Dominic, who continues on his vacation. Uh, let's get into this one. I, a fascinating article that appeared uh, last week in the New York Times. Taking a hard and, and more than a few times critical look at the state of affairs at the Clinton Global Initiative. This, of course, the organization uh, started by President Bill Clinton to uh, have a serious impact on the world. And I think it's fair to say that that's exactly what it's done. Um, now, with uh, the recent arrival of Secretary Hillary Clinton as a substantial part of the uh, Clinton Global Initiative, it's starting to attract even more attention than it has in the past. Here to discuss what's going on over at CGI, that's what we're going to call Clinton Clinton Global Initiative, is Amy Chozik, New York Times political writer. Uh, Good morning, Amy. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, thanks. So listen, uh, at this point, it kind of goes without saying that your article got a, a, a great deal of attention. So to uh, start things off, why don't you give us the headlines for anybody who may not yet have seen the piece? Sure. Well, we took a deep dive into the Clinton Foundation, and and CGI is is an arm of that. But this is a a sprawling global organization that that works on everything from lowering costs to AIDS medications to obesity to elephant poaching. And it really has a wide agenda. And we, we looked at their finances we looked at how it's run internally, and, and the reason we looked at that is because we found out that two years ago they did a, an audit. They brought in outside auditors to kind of figure out how to, you know, clean up, improve the foundation. And what was fascinating is when we got um, the broad strokes of what the audit said, it read very much like the criticism of the early years of the Clinton White House. You know, it had a lot of great successes. It had a lot of good intentions, but it also was a sprawling organization with kind of the same same old Clinton hands, and it was vulnerable to conflicts of interest, and it was vulnerable to infighting, and that type of thing that we've been hearing criticism of the Clintons for years. So it, it piqued our interest, and we, and we took a deep dive into this. Well, well, one of the things you covered in some detail was the uh, state of the finances over there. Uh, what did you discover in this regard? Right. We did discover that they had run deficits in some years. You've probably seen that President Clinton pushed back on that characterization. Uh, um, but basically, they get these multi-year commitments. Someone says, I'll give you $50 million over over 10 years. And so, uh, you know, the president is saying, well, that may have looked like a deficit, but, you know, really, we had a lot of money. But anyway, we were going by IRS tax returns, and it showed that they, re- even though there was a lot of money coming in, they were running deficits in several years. Um, we also found that there was kind of some some spending that raised eyebrows in the low in the kind of low key nonprofit world. Uh, you mentioned CGI. This is kind of a glitzy gathering of of wealthy people where they make charitable commitments, and, and it almost felt like Davos. It, it didn't. It, it, the spending would, did not seem in line with some of their uh, competitors in the nonprofit world. It, not in line in the sense of they were getting more or getting less or. No, I mean, things like flying in Natalie Portman. Oh, I see. Things they were spending on. I see. Yeah, things they were spending on almost seemed a little glitzy in the nonprofit world. So that raised some eyebrows. Well, so so as I noted at the at the outset, this has not been without controversy. Um, Yesterday, I think it was uh, David Brock of Media Matters. He also runs the American Bridge Super PAC. 
He called the piece an exercise in evidence-free speculation. Um, also, actually, earlier this week on this show, Lanny Davis was on with us, uh, one-time special assistant to President Clinton and a very close friend and associate of Hillary Clinton. He had a few things to say about your article. I thought we'd play it for you, and then we'll give you a chance to respond to it. You got it set up? Let's, let's play what Lanny had to say. Is there a single act of illegality? That they they don't allege one, no. As a fact. Not, not one. The entire story, the entire story, every word is innuendo journalism. There's not a single... Well, except what they're saying is it's poorly run and they're running at a well, deficit. They're using characterizations of poorly run. In one year or two years, they had a deficit. I wish the U.S. government could say the same. Uh, or maybe even the New York Times in, right. in uh, the future, because I love the New York Times and I hope it stays profitable. So a couple of years, is that the story? No, the story was innuendo about conflict of interest, because certain uh, former Clinton administration figures started a company, and that company has clients that also gives money to the Clinton Global Initiative, and then some innuendo about President Clinton may be involved, maybe not involved. Where is the A, impropriety, which is the subjective word that journalists use as if they have the definition of what's improper or not to themselves. And secondly, where is the slightest shred of illegality? I didn't see any fact in there, Steve. What do you think? Um, Well, I think he has a good point, and I know him and have a lot of respect for him. I also don't think that we need to necessarily say that something's illegal in order to write a story that readers find interesting about the inner workings of a of a sprawling organization run by a former president and potentially by a future president and, and their daughter. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, we have very clear examples of issues, it, tensions between uh, between people who work there, uh, you know, commissioning expensive McKinsey reports and then dismissing them. I, I think we do point out concrete examples, um, whether there's illegality, I think is, is besides the point. Um, you know, the point is that they commissioned this audit and this is how they're, you know, trying to reorganize things. And, you know, Hillary Clinton is, is going to be under a lot of scrutiny moving forward. So it's a, it's fair game. Well, you know, I don't know. Have you done much reporting on other charitable organizations? I'm, I'm curious how you think that they fit into the, the, the whole mix of organizations that are doing philanthropic things. I mean, it's hard to imagine that any of them are run super efficiently. No, that's, and that's a fair, that's a good point. I mean, in a lot of the Clinton aides we talked to said, well, why don't you look at X or Y foundation? And, and of course my colleague and I are not foundation reporters. We did talk to several experts in putting together this story. We also talked about, we looked at rankings of different foundations and how well they're run. So I mean, that's fair, and that's fair, and, you know, and, and, and they also point to this has been an evolution. You know, the president started this organization in 2001 with a handful of close advisors, and, it, and in fairness, it has grown to be extremely successful and sprawling, and they do a lot of good work. So, I mean, if you agree that they are doing a lot of good work and that they have become extremely successful— I don't know. I, you know, I read the article as soon as it came out. I thought it was a really fascinating piece. But I, I did walk away from it wondering, OK, why are they picking on an organization that appears to be doing a good job? You, I think you make a fair point when you raise issues like they are flying in a, a movie star to attend uh, an event. But you know what? The other side of that coin is that that movie star is probably going to be responsible for raising more, a lot more money than what that airplane ticket costs. So is that really such a ridiculous expenditure? 
I don't know that I think it is. I it, don't think that we're saying it's a ridiculous expenditure. We're saying you've heard about all these people for years. These people are people who have worked in the largely worked in the Clinton administration. Ira Magaziner ran Hillary Clinton's right. health care initiative. Uh, Doug Ban has worked for President Clinton for decades. Uh, Bruce Lindsay has known him for almost 50 years since sure. Arkansas politics. And these are the people that have been running this organization that Hillary Clinton is now joining. Is that uh, a bad is, thing? No, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying it's a fair, it's fair to look at how the organization has been run, given that these are old political hands. They may be in the White House again one day. Who knows? Right. Uh, I, so I think, I think you also make a good point that the Clinton Foundation is, is getting more scrutiny than the Gates Foundation. You're right. Or, or, or the Ford Foundation. Um, yeah, and that's given who its founder is and given uh, that Hillary Clinton is rejoining. That's, that's yeah. why it's under more scrutiny. So, yeah, I, 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 you know, and part of me gets it. Part of me has some of the reaction that others have. I mean, look, you're, you're there to write yeah. stories of interest. I write over at Forbes and I don't set out to write a story that I don't think anybody cares about. The whole right. point is to write a story that somebody does care about. And whether it's early, whether it's not early, the reality is people care about Hillary Clinton right now. Um, now, I did find the president's uh, response to the piece interesting. I'm going to actually read it a bit, uh, dealing with the financial part. Uh, he says that uh, your report claimed that the foundation ran a $40 million deficit in 2007 and eight, and an $8 million deficit in 2012. Uh, and you relied on tax returns to, to reach that conclusion. As the foundation noted, the IRS requires tax-exempt organizations to report multi-year financial commitments occurring in the year of the commitment made. In 2005 and six, the foundation reported, reported a surplus exceeding $100 million. In subsequent years, the money is reported as spending but not cash inflow. Clinton also pointed out that the difficult reality of all nonprofits face when fundraising during a recession. Now, actually, I thought that was an interesting comment. I, I understanding a little bit about tax returns. I do know that they have to kind of work on an accrual basis. If you're a, a nonprofit like this, they do have to uh, to book all of their commitments at the time they make the commitment, but they don't get to book the the income that's promised until the year that it arrives. So I guess what he's saying is that really wasn't a totally fair assessment going by the tax returns because they know that that they have, first of all, I mean, you're taking as losses money they've committed to spend that they may not have to spend for in, until five years from now. And at the same time, they know they have money coming in or believe they do. I guess somebody can always welch on, on a contribution. Uh, so they thought it really wasn't an entirely fair way to do this analysis. What do you What do you say to that? Um, I think that's a fair point. That's why I wrote about the president's response, you know, with the link to his letter and and the uh, they released the executive summary of the audit, which we also put on the website. But but yeah, I, I think that's that's fair. I think we we cited IRS records, uh, and you know, if the president wants to respond, of course, you know, we're going to give that. Oh, but would you agree you cited the records without? giving maybe all of the important nuance, and that if you say well, it's fair that he pointed that out, you know. No, I think that, I mean, come on, you write a lot of stories. Almost almost every time a subject wishes you, you know, explain some nuance or some background that didn't make it into the story. So, and that's and that's fair enough, but. Okay, so, so <laughs> one of the things I got a kick out of in, in the article was there's clearly no shortage of drama taking place in, in this organization. And does that kind of sound like the way it should be in Clinton world? 
I mean, again, as in terms of the executive summary uh, and the audit, it did read a, a lot like the early days of the of the Clinton White House. Yeah. A lot of good intentions and some drama along the way. Uh, it really did. You know, I, I it was fascinating seeing the uh, the characters that are involved. As you noted earlier, these are all names that we have heard of and known in the past. Um, you actually write about the consulting firm formed by Doug Band. Uh, it's probably fair to say that Doug Band has has been President Clinton's right hand man since he left the presidency. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so uh, he goes off apparently to form a uh, consulting firm, and President Clinton became a paid advisor to the firm. What was mm-hmm. the problem or conflict? Something happened as a result of that. I know the president eventually resigned from that role. What was going on there that wasn't maybe cricket? Um, yeah, well, I mean, the, the worries kind of intensified when MF Global, the, the brokerage firm run by uh, John Corzine, had, had kind of collapsed, and the firm had been among uh, Taneo's clients. Um, and so I, I think that that prompted, and initially prompted a New York Post story, you know, saying that, that Secretary Clinton was upset about the MF Global connection. Um, a spokesman for President Clinton denied that, but but the, the idea was that it just wasn't a good idea to have President Clinton on the payroll of, a, of an investor. Of a, uh, of a firm that had also been associated with MF Global. Right. If if MF Global had never happened, reasonable to guess that the president would, to this day, be a paid consultant to this firm? No, I wouldn't make assumptions. But. Right. Okay. So we're talking with Amy uh, Chozik, New York Times uh, political reporter, who wrote this fascinating article on uh, what the Clintons are up to at their nonprofit. Uh, if you want to join this conversation, 866-994-6343, 866-99-INDY. If you want to speak to Amy, if you got something to say about what the Clintons are up to, feel free to join the party. So, I mean, one of the, one of the players over there uh, that got your attention, and rightfully so, uh, Ira Magaziner, a top policy advisor in the Clinton administration and, and essentially Hillary's partner in her failed effort to reform health care. Uh, you reported that Magaziner, is, am I saying his name right? Magaziner yep. is uh, clever, but disorganized. How much of a factor has he been in some of the problems that might exist inside the organization? Um, yeah, well, I think you touched on a good point. Um, President Clinton thinks Ira Magaziner is is a genius, and and most of the people I talk to, you know, agree. He's a real visionary, and he is always thinking about how to implement policies. He's not necessarily a managerial uh, whiz, according to the former and current um, employees I talk to. You know, a lot of misorganization, a lot of not really thinking about how we're going to pay for something. But but, but the point of keeping him around and, uh, and others in the foundation have pushed for him to be fired is that he kind of always has the cause in mind and uh, the president likes him and keeps him around. But yes, apparently there were there has been some mismanagement under him. Yeah, I mean, you would think that uh, it wouldn't be that hard to figure out. Here's you know, There are a lot of people in the world who are brilliant. Uh, who yeah. have a lot to contribute, but, you know, we all have our pluses and our minuses. He could be a brilliant visionary without having to be in a management position. So it, it probably yeah, is reasonable cool. to question that and if they're using him in the best possible way. Where do you see Clinton Global Initiative going in the future? Are, are there budget issues coming under control, in your opinion? Are they in the right direction? Is this going to be an organization that can continue to do good things and sustain? Yeah, I just want to clarify that it's the Clinton Foundation and Clinton Global. Oh, sorry. Okay, yes. Yes. Um, but, yeah, but yeah, I, I think, um, well, I think Chelsea's influence has been very good on this uh, 
according to everyone we talked to, has been a, a strong force on That's the foundation. That's interesting. Um, in, in a managerial route, or what What do they see as her contribution? Yeah, for one, she comes from a different world than her parents. You know, she worked at McKinsey. She worked at a hedge fund. Um, and so she really kind of put on this managerial hat when she came in, um, almost almost looking at it as a McKinsey, you know, consultant. Right. What can we do better? Um, and, and you mentioned Ira. I mean, she joined, he runs an organization called the Clinton Health Access Initiative, and Chelsea is now a board member of that. So, um, you know, maybe that will help get um, – managerial issues under control, but also they've appointed a new CEO, a young guy from McKinsey who is actually a friend of Chelsea's. Um, And so this is important. They're going to have a CEO based in New York. Bruce Lindsay had been running uh, running at a CEO, and he split his time between Little Rock and New York. So now they're going to have a dedicated... CEO from McKinsey, based in New York. Um, I think they're making big strides. So you think it's heading in the right direction? Do you do you envision uh, that the group might be transformed a little bit into a political launching pad for Hillary Clinton? Um, yeah, I'm not really going to comment on that. I mean, she is moving her office, her personal staff that has been in Washington. She's moving them into the um, foundation headquarters. Of course, she's also building up her own team to focus on issues like women and girls and the economy that she said she wants to, to work on. So I know you got to get out of here. I'm going to bother you with one more question and I'll let you okay. go. This is, this has been great stuff. What do you say? And, and I don't mean to put this on you in any way, shape or form. And I know that you cannot speak for the entire New York times, but what do you, what do you say to these people who, who really are having a problem with the times appointing a Hillary Clinton editor this early in the game? And, and those who suggest that paper is anti Hillary Clinton. What's, what's the take on all this? First of all, I just point out that media matters is founded and funded by Clinton so, you know, Clinton, do- prominent Clinton donors and supporters. So, I mean, of course, they it's fair to some, point out. They do some good work, but in interest of transparency. And I'd also, you know, of course, you'd have to talk to my editors about why they wanted me to take on this beat. I have a couple thoughts. One is that I have lots of competitors who are already almost exclusively covering um, all things Clinton. Um, and I'm a political reporter with a focus on the Clintons. The other thing is I think we cover all the potential 2016 contenders. They just happen to be in office, so they fall under the, you know, our Albany reporter covers Cuomo, our Jersey reporter covers Chris Christie, we've got um, congressional reporters covering Ted Cruz and, and Rubio, and so and and White House reporter covers Biden. So I think that Clinton, since she's a private citizen right now, kind of falls through the beat structure, so it's kind of important for somebody to be looking at, at her. Answer. Good office. answer. I like that. That's my stock answer. Good answer. Amy <laughs> Chosik, political reporter for the New York Times, author of a piece I absolutely recommend you go back and take a look at. It's really a good one. I think we're going to be talking about it for a while. Uh, you can find it, of course, in the New York Times. Amy, thanks so much for joining us, and I hope you have a really good day. Stand Up with Pete Dominic. For more Stand Up with Pete Dominic, go to SiriusXM.com slash indie.